Hey, welcome to the Crosspoint Church Podcast. I'm Rob Chartrand, the lead pastor of the church. We're a church that's for the city in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and are passionate about helping people find their way back to God. Hey, if you're new, I'll have a bit to say at the end of the podcast, but in the meantime, let's listen to this Sunday's message. Well, good morning, everyone. It is great that you're joining with us in person, both here in the worship center, in the bonus room, and online. For those who don't know me, my name is Amanda, and I am the youth pastor here at Crosspoint, and I am so excited that you are joining us this morning. I just wanted to let you know that in just 12 days, it will be Christmas Eve. This is your warning to go start Christmas shopping. You know who you are. Um, And on Christmas Eve here at Crosspoint, we are having an epic event. We are bringing back all of our favorite family traditions for two gatherings. At 2 p.m., we're having sleigh rides, hot chocolate, a petting zoo, um, and so much more. And then at 3 p.m., an interactive worship gathering by candlelight. Then we're doing it all again at 4 p.m. with a candlelight gathering at 5 p.m. I hope you and your family are able to come out, invite your friends, invite your neighbors. Um, I promise Micah, Delaney, and myself will be on our best behavior. Over the, last, over the last few weeks, we have been in a series called The Cast of Christmas. We've looked at Herod, Joseph, and today we're going to look at Mary. Now, if you're looking for notes, you can head to the crosspointchurch.ca slash notes, and you'll find them there. If you have your Bible, I encourage you to either turn to or scroll to um, Luke 1, 26 to 38, which is where we'll be spending most of our time this morning. As we begin, let me ask you this question. What were you doing at age 13? For those who can't remember, you were probably in junior high, grade 7 or 8. In grade 7, I dyed my hair blue. While I am very thankful for my parents' support in this decision, I also... Here we are. In in that time, Lululemon scuba hoodies were super trendy, even though they like really didn't look great on anyone, but we all had to have one for whatever reason. Now let me ask you this. What was your faith like? My faith wasn't something that was my own. Looking back at 13, I would have said I had faith, but it was really my parents. It was my parents' faith and traditions. I was just along for the ride. I wasn't serving the kingdom of God. I didn't know how. And how could I, at 13, serve the kingdom of God? Blue hair and all. But the reality is, is that no matter our circumstances, we are called to humbly serve. Let's take a dive into the story of Mary as an example. Let's read from Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 26. And today I have my friend Jada reading scripture for us. Take your mask off. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. There's a lot going on in these verses, and a lot of unknown. But we're introduced to a few characters. We have an angel, Joseph, and Mary. 
And today we're focusing on Mary and her role as a supporting character in the cast of Christmas. If you're curious about Joseph, I'd highly encourage you to go watch last week's sermon that Brendan did on Joseph. And if you're wondering about angels in the Bible, Pastor Rob would love to talk to you about that. Now just some background information on Mary. At the time in Luke, we know a few things. As Brendan mentioned last week, Mary was betrothed to Joseph, which is far more serious, a far more serious commitment than engagement. In a legal sense, they were married to each other, but they weren't living together yet. But they were legally committed to each other. We know that Mary was Jewish. But that's all we really know about her. Scholars really don't know that much more about her. And because she was Jewish and betrothed, this means she was probably between the ages of 12 and 14. And Jada is 14. These are the things that we know. Another thing that Mary would have known is humility. And she would have heard all the Old Testament stories about those who were humble before God and the grace that they received. He also would have, she also would have known about the stories of those who were boastful and prideful and how it usually didn't work out as well for them. All throughout the te Old Testament, there's a call for the Israelites to humble themselves and worship God. The Israelites were called to be a nation set apart from other nations, and one way was to humbly serve recognizing that they are nothing without God. But what is humility? To be humble means to show, to have or show a modest or low estimate of one's own importance. Our world tells us the opposite, that being humble is not what individuals should strive for. And instead, we should tell the world um, all about our talents and gifts and abilities. We should flaunt ourselves. But this isn't what God is calling us to. The act of humility is continuous in the Bible. God continually shows favor to those who are humble. Joseph, in the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis, you know, the guy with the really colorful coat and a whole bunch of older brothers, he was a great example of a humble leader. David is another example of humility. When he first comes into power, he reflects on the fact that he is there because of God's work, nothing of his own ability. Being humble is about recognizing that we are nothing without God. The idea of serving humbly means to serve without wanting to elevate yourself and only thinking of others while you're doing it. For example, serving humbly could include not thinking about your resume while you're doing volunteer work. Not thinking about that cool experience you might have overseas while serving in a developing country. And maybe just once, not posting it all over social media. Instead, it's recognizing that there is a need and filling it because you have the resources, talents, and giftings to do so. Rick Warren, also known as the pastor of America, describes humility so well in his book, A Purpose-Driven Life. Humility is not thinking of yourself less. It's thinking of yourself less. Humility is knowing that you have gifts and talents to build up the body of Christ, that you have a purpose in God's kingdom work, accepting that call and doing it. Let's go back to Mary. Mary. 
At this point in the story, we know a few things, but there's still quite a bit of unknown here. So let's put ourselves in Mary's shoes. She was in her home doing her thing um, in the town of Nazareth, a no-good-nothing town. People would literally say, nothing good comes out of Nazareth. Nothing. She probably wasn't watching Netflix or scrolling TikTok while in her home, but that's where she is. And then this angel just bursts down the door and says, greetings, oh favored one. The Lord is with you. The text then says that she's greatly troubled by this. And I don't blame her. Can you imagine being in your home and then an angel just busts down the door? Greetings, oh favorite one, the Lord is with you. Of course she was greatly troubled. She's probably thinking, did the stew I ate yesterday go bad? Am I still sleeping right now? Am I dreaming? I don't know what's going on. I'd say I'd like, I'd probably run in that situation. But the reality is, is I'd probably actually freeze, you know, fight, fight, or freeze. I'm, I'm the freeze type. Ask the youth. We played numerous games where I'm supposed to do something, and instead I pause and do nothing. It's great. But Mary didn't run from this unknown. She tries her best to discern what this could mean to her. And this isn't actually the last time she tries to discern the unknown. When she finally has Jesus, shepherds come and sing praises, and she tries to understand what that means. When Jesus is a tween uh, at the age of 12, he stays behind at the temple during Passover and doesn't tell his parents where he's going. Mary tries to rebuke him for not saying anything about his location, but instead Jesus looks at his earthly parents and says, I was in my father's home. In each of these moments, Mary continues to serve humbly in the unknown. As many parents and Disney fans know about the hit song from Frozen 2, Into the Unknown, honestly, I wouldn't recommend the movie. It was just okay, in my opinion. But the entire song, Into the Unknown, Elsa is being called Into the Unknown. There's adventure waiting for her, and her voice has been calling to her. Then the movie gets weird, in my opinion, and like isn't really relevant to the rest of the sermon. But Elsa knows in this song that she's being called. She doesn't know where or how or anything, but she knows. And no one else in her life knows what this means. Her people, including Anna, Kristoff, Sven, and Olaf, all try to help her on this adventure. But there isn't any sort of plan in place. They're just blindly following her. The difference between Mary's unknown and Elsa's unknown um, is that there's a greater plan in place. This unknown would play out to be known. Mary knew that this unknown wouldn't last forever and God's plan would eventually be revealed to her. But at this moment, she had to sit in the unknown. God is also calling us to serve in the unknown. Mary was receiving some very overwhelming news at this time. And our unknown probably looks different than Mary's. Mary, Mary's unknown was the fact that an angel had just busted down the door and said this long-winded greeting, and she didn't know what it meant. She knew it was important, but didn't understand it. God might be calling you to serve in ways that 
might not make sense right now. Maybe he's calling you to give financially like you've never given before. Or to quit your job and move to a city you've never been in before. The summer between my first and second year at Vanguard, I worked at Camp Nakamon. And it was good. But getting there was a lot of unknown. I had started looking for summer work at the beginning of February and didn't get hired at Nakamon until the end of April. And since the beginning of February until I had this job in April, I sat in a season of unknown. My mother, whom I love dearly, um, would ask me a few times a week, have you applied to any jobs? Have you heard anything back? And the response was the same for two months. Yes, I've applied to jobs. No, I haven't heard anything back. But little did I know how much this one job would impact my faith, my leadership, and the overall course of my life. In the moment of the unknown, it was the worst. It was awful. But God's plan is much greater than what I could have imagined. If we go back to looking at Mary, she takes time to be humble. She doesn't raise herself up and be better than anyone else. And this time, she's trying to understand what's going on. She's trying to be humble. For this short period, she sets aside her own desires and humbles herself to allow God's plan to work in her life. She doesn't allow the unknown to scare her or to stop her from serving humbly. Serving humbly doesn't just happen in the unknown, but it also happens in the unconventional. Let's continue reading. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him to the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? Such a simple question to an overwhelming amount of information. Working at Camp Nackman, we did some things the unconventional way. Uh, if you've ever worked in camp ministry, you get it. It's not like a regular job. By no means is it regular. And when I worked at Nackman, I was support staff. So I didn't directly work with any of the campers and said my job was to provide support to the cabin leaders. And one day a cabin leader came up to me and was telling me about the problems he was having with one camper in particular. Now this camper was on the older side of the age range of the camp um, and we knew his home life wasn't the best. And the problem that this cabin leader was facing was that this camper wouldn't stop swearing. And he would swear in front of all of the really little kids. So this cabin leader and I sat and brainstormed some ideas to get the kid to stop swearing. So we decided that every time this camper swore, he would have to do jumping jacks. Every swear equaled 10 jumping jacks. It was unconventional. It wasn't normal. I wouldn't really recommend it in regular life context, but the kid got it. I think he was just mostly exhausted from all the physical work because sometimes those jumping jacks turned into burpees. But the point came across. At camp, we don't swear. 
But back to scripture. An angel has come into Mary's home. She has favor with God, then says that she will have a son, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and his kingdom will reign forever. Which is a lot. There's a lot to unpack here. The angel is telling of the plan of redemption for God's people. The angel lays out these fulfillments of Old Testament prophecy while he's at it. Again, Mary being Jewish knew all of this. She knows about the prophecy of a Messiah coming. But I doubt in her mind she would have understood that she would be called to serve in this way. That this redemption plan includes a woman from Nazareth. Both of these things are unconventional. We must remember that back then, they lived in a patriarchal society. Women are meant to be at home raising the kids, not playing a key role in redemption. How could God give such a huge role to a woman? A girl, for that matter. Now, the part that makes this even more unconventional, uncommon, and against the norm is that Mary is a virgin. This is a scandalous beginning to the Son of the Most High. An unwed Jewish girl from Nazareth being pregnant, and spoiler, it's not Joseph's. Being pregnant out of wedlock was considered shameful and held serious consequences. At worst, Mary could lose her life. She's probably thinking to herself, how am I going to explain this to those around me? Mary was being called out of the normal to serve God. I do want to pause here for a moment um, and acknowledge that these verses typically raise a lot of questions about Mariology or the theology around Mary. And I don't have time to dive into it because that's a sermon series in and of itself. But if you're curious about it and want to know more information, I'd be more than happy to have a conversation with you after the gathering. I do want to emphasize one point here, though. Mary was given grace and favor from God the same way that you or me can receive grace. She was human, just like you and me. She wasn't extra special or had an in with God, nor now in heaven does she have a special in with God. She was just ready to serve humbly in the unconventional. Jesus also served in the unconventional. Jesus was just, just doing what he was called to do, um, bring people back to the Father. The Samaritan woman at the well, I think, is a great example. You can find the full story in John chapter 4, verses 1 to 42. Essentially what happens is that Jesus and the disciples have been traveling, and, they, and they're in Samaria. And Jesus stops at the well, and the disciples go into town to get food. And while he's sitting at this well, a woman comes to the well to get water. And Jesus starts talking with her and tells her that this water is not satisfying and he is the living water. Culturally, this was a big no-no. A big no-no. For Jesus to be sitting alone with a woman was just not accepted. Because they are living in a patriarchal society, so Jesus should not have given this woman the time of day. And she was a Samaritan. Jewish people and Samaritans don't interact with each other. They, no, 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 no. Then she was out at the well in the middle of the day, which begs the question, why was she out in the sun and the heat getting water? Why didn't she get water in the morning like everyone else? 
This must mean that she has been shamed by her town or village. So she knows it's best not to go out in the morning, so not to bring any more shame to her family. The disciples eventually come back to the well, and they see this all playing out. And I can see Peter and John just, like, bumping elbows. Do you, do you see what's going on? Do you see who Jesus is talking to? Like, what are we going to do about this? But Jesus knew that his message was for everyone, not just the Jewish people. And to get the word out was going to have to be unconventional. Jesus was so focused on serving others, he didn't care about conventional versus unconventional. When was the last time you reflected on what you think is normal or not normal in your life? Is it normal for you to come to church without your kids or your spouse because they just don't want to come? Has this become a regular part of your routine? Are devotions no longer part of your life because it's got too busy and busy is the new normal? even though we know God's not calling us to a life of busyness? When was the last time you reflected on the conventional versus unconventional in your life? Let's continue reading to see what happens next. The angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Let's do a recap here. Mary's hanging out in her home, doing her thing. An angel busts down the door and says, Greetings, O favored one. You have found grace with God. Mary says that he will, she will bear a son and name him Jesus, and he will reign forever. Mary asks one simple question. How? And the angel explains it to her, that it will be done through the Holy Spirit. Also, your cousin, the barren one that can't have kids, she's pregnant. Also, remember that nothing's impossible with God. And Mary goes, cool. And the angel just leaves. There's a lot happening, and a lot has happened. And Mary just gets this life-changing news. But it's scandalous. She can't go out into the streets yelling, I'm pregnant, I'm pregnant. She can't post on Instagram expecting a little one at Christmas time. Also, it was the Holy Spirit, not Joseph. It's unprecedented. Never been done before. I'm sure Pastor Rob has actually banned the word unprecedented in the office. We've heard it so much in the last few months. We're in unprecedented times. We're living in a unique time of globalization that was never been seen before. But what does unprecedented mean? It means never done or known before. This last year has been full of never done or known before. Working from home. School from home, but not homeschooled. Zoom. Sorry about saying that word, Zoom. I know I see the nervous twitch in some of you guys. My apologies. But have you continued to serve in these unprecedented times? A few weeks ago in the youth ministry, I had a leader bring an apple pie to a family. It started as a joke. The student was bugging this leader to make her an apple pie. And the leader initially said, no, 
not making you a pie. But all of us leaders thought it would be hilarious, just, just funny, for her to actually make an apple pie and bring it to the family. Not to bend to the complaining of the student, but just to be funny. But later I heard from the parents that this was such a big win for them. They were able to see the body of Christ at work in the most unconventional, unprecedented way. It was just a simple apple pie. And these volunteers were just serving in ways that they knew how. Mary knew that this had never been done before. There are so many things happening in this narrative that had never been done before. Compared to Greek or Roman gods um, and stories of gods coming to earth, they typically been banned to earth or were coming for some sort of personal gain. The son of God humbled himself as a baby to come and bring redemption to humanity through his perfect life with no sort of personal gain other than a relationship with us. Paul captures it perfectly in Philippians 2, 8, that Jesus came to serve and to serve humbly to the point of death on the cross. The angel says a remarkable thing right before he leaves. Remember, nothing is impossible with God. We like to put God in a box, put our human parameters on him, but that isn't the God I know. My God created the universe, hung the stars, made each of the animals so unique. Like, have you looked at an anteater recently? It made each of us so unique. He breaks change, sets people free, does the impossible, the unheard of, the unprecedented. Mary truly doesn't say much in this story, but what she says at the end is incredible. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. This would have been the time for Mary to run. There is so much unknown, unconventional, and unprecedented. I like probably would have ran. And I actually did run at the first nudge for my call into ministry. Um, I ran all the way to Albania to a Cape and Ray campus there. And then I ran again when I was there. Um, an RA or a residence assistant um, told me one day, Manda, you're going to be a pastor. And I looked him dead in the eyes and said, no, and turned around and walked out of that room very fast. For Mary, Serving humbly in the unprecedented meant also being obedient to the call in her life. Mary's response isn't a boastful one, a prideful one, one full of fear or distrust in God, but recognizing her call to serve in this unprecedented time. The interesting thing about the character of Mary is she's the only bookend character in the story of Jesus. She was there from the beginning a scandalous start to the shameful ending of watching her son die on a cross. After seeing her son at the cross, she recognizes her call to be a true spiritual disciple of God and that her role extends beyond just being the mother of Jesus. Her serving God wasn't a thing of the past that she was doing when she was first called in Nazareth as a teen 
Instead, it's a continuous act. The reality is that God works in the unknown, the unconventional, and the unprecedented. And we are called to serve him in these times as well. Because while they are unknown, unprecedented, and unconventional to us, they are known, conventional, and common to God. We're not like Elsa, off on an adventure without a plan in place. God has a plan and wants you to be part of it. He wants you to come to him and humbly accept the call he has placed on your life. I think you would all agree with me that the last 20 months have brought a lot of unknown, unconventional, and unprecedented. It's been hard. No one can deny that. This last year has probably tested your patience, your marriage, your sanity as you work from home and as your kids do school from home. But how have you continued to serve humbly in this time? For Mary, serving humbly was an act of obedience, recognizing her call, not letting her age be in the way of God's greater plan. For Jesus, serving humbly led to dying on the cross. He served until death for us. Know that blue hair and all, you're being called to serve humbly. And we can look to Mary as an example of this. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for your son, that he came to earth to show us the love and grace and how to serve humbly. And so, Father, may you continue to work in us as we process all of this and reflect on our lives and how we can continue to serve humbly in this time. May you guide us and be with us today. Pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope it's helped you in your spiritual journey and it's helped you draw closer to God. Let me tell you a little bit about us. Crosspoint gathers as one church on Sundays in Northeast Edmonton. And you can find out our location and more about us by visiting our website, thecrosspointchurch.ca. We also meet throughout the week throughout Edmonton in what we call home groups. These are smaller communities of learning, laughter, community, uh, transformation. We, we think that the journey of faith was never intended to be an independent exercise. It's, it's something that we do together. So please visit our website and find out how you can get connected to a home group near you. If you listen to our podcast regularly, why not make it shareable? You could like us on iTunes or share our podcast with other people. But more importantly, we hope you will get connected with other people and talk about what you've learned. Again, hey, thanks for listening. We pray you'll experience Christ's love in a very real and profound way this week.